Till I'm Tiptoed you. Dot com. The podcast about pop culture, black history, and spirituality. Yeah. It's about to be a great vibe. Dr. Tip. Gonna take it away. Till I'm Tiptoed you. y'all hey thank you for joining me for another edition of tell them tip told you oh my gosh y'all i am in a mood so i am not going to be responsible for how many four letter words i use today and i'm not going to be responsible for i don't know just don't hold me too tight today because i'm in a mood and i'm going to tell you why Um, But I'm going to lead up to the why. I'm going to talk about some other stuff first before I tell you the story. Um, I want to talk about the Dove ad. I want to talk about um, how it feels sometimes to be a black woman. For me, you know, I can't speak for all black women. I can only tell you how it feels to be me. Um, I want to talk about how proud I am to be a black woman. Um, And then I want to talk about uh, Martin Luther King's narrative that I think we need to be paying more attention to. So let me just jump right in. So, you know, social media is full of uh, people both discussing how disgusting the new Dove ad is. And unfortunately, it's full of black people who don't see the issue. Now, if you have if you've been under a rock, uh, Dove had created an ad. And part of the ad was um, a black woman taking off a brown t-shirt and turning into a woman with a white t-shirt. And it was, you know, people kept saying, you're taking it out of context. But even when you see the whole thing, it's incredibly problematic. Uh, I guess the subliminal message is that we're all white underneath. Who knows what they were thinking? I do know that this is not the first time that Dove has had a problematic ad like that. And I also know that on... um, some of their products, they have um, a byline that says for normal to dark skin, which automatically marks dark skin as abnormal, right? So Dove has this history of creating these ads that are problematic at best. Even if we can, even if we make the argument that they're not intentionally being racist, they're still problematic, right? And I have a hard time believing that nobody nobody working on the ad account called attention to the fact that, Hey, it might be a little problematic. The representation, what are we really saying here? Especially when you put it in a certain historical context, when a lot of um, soaps during the 19th and early 20th centuries um, had people scrubbing black face and making it white. And that was an ad about how good the cleanser was. You know, we come from that particular historical context. So when Dove does something, it's not in a vacuum. It's coming out of that historical context. And I have a hard time believing people who, who major in marketing, who work on ad accounts, one don't have a, a knowledge of that particular history and then if you don't have any black folk on your see again y'all I told you I'm on one so people right now are pushing diversity and and somehow just because you have someone with black skin that that's your diversity check mark please believe what Zora Neale Hurston says is right all my skin folk ain't my kin folk so there are some black people 
who are white supremacists. And a lot of these fools out here right now talking about this is not important. Um, so what? You guys are too sensitive. A lot of these people don't want their peace disrupted. And I'm going to get to that in just a moment. But I think it's important that we have alternatives in place. So when a company, when we feel disrespected by a company, right? I'm not telling you to boycott Dove. I know what I'm doing but I'm not telling you what to do. I do think though, despite whatever we choose to do personally, there should be some alternative markets in place so that I can say, okay, I can no longer use Dove products. Hey y'all, let me hit up webuyblack.com. Let me hit up some of these other black websites, the black pages and find black owned um, cosmetic companies that make Um, I have very sensitive skin. So people who are using all natural products, aluminum free deodorants, hey, let's find out who they are. Let's share that information so that when things and we should already be on that stuff. Let me say it like that. We should already be on all natural products that are produced by our communities. Uh, Those people who put money back and invest in our communities, we should be supporting them anyway. Right. But especially when things like this happen, we need to be able to feed that information to each other quickly. Hey, yo, you know, your child has eczema. Um, You're having problems. Hit up this sister. She makes all natural products. Um, Let's start doing that instead of telling other people whether or not they should be offended. How about we support one another and just leave the decisions up to um, grown people? You know, people forget we're all grown. You can't tell me who and who not to boycott. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to tell you that story in just a second. But I think it's important that we place, again, um, Dove's ad in a particular historical and social context where black skin is sometimes somehow um, dirty, ugly, whatever, and it's something to be changed. There's an entire beauty market surrounding skin lightening and skin brightening. That's not my particular research foray. So I'm not going to go into that. Did I use that word right? I don't know. Uh, It's not my research field. Um, So I'm going to leave that to the experts. But I will say as someone who studies visual pedagogy and visual literacies, it is a powerful thing to represent something as clean and something else as dirty. It has a lot of subconscious effects on our children. And to ignore that is to put our children at risk. Right. I, I am very blessed that I grew up in a family. My father swears he's the one who created the slogan black is beautiful. And I'm very blessed that I came up in a household in a family that values all shades of blackness. Right. And if my fat, in fact, my family represents all shades of blackness. And it's a beautiful thing that we see beauty in all of it. And I think when we allow companies, when we allow Um, advertisers to somehow represent entire spectrums of blackness as something to be repaired, as something to, to treat, as something to change, then we should all be up in arms because that attack is on blackness, period. Right? The, the, Colorism in our communities is some bullshit. We have to deal with it. I'm not equipped to have that conversation. Maybe we can have somebody on the podcast one day that is more equipped to have that conversation. If you know someone like that, please send me an email at drtip at tellemtiptoldyou.com. Because, you know, I think we really have to, to do that. We really have to interrogate 
um, the effects of these kinds of advertisements so that we all understand the implications that arise when we allow companies to get away with that kind of foolishness. Skin ble bleaching is a multi-million dollar industry. Worldwide, we have a problem with people trying to approximate to whiteness. That's a vestige of white supremacy, and we have to deal with it as such. It is not something to be ignored. I don't care what people say. You shouldn't ignore it. And on that note, let me say this. This is happening at the same time Mike Pence fake protested a Colts game because players protested during the national anthem. Now, I know many a sister, many a sister who is boycotting the NFL. Uh, the sister from ESPN now is on, on suspension because she continues to speak truth to power. So I know many sisters who are standing by our brothers as they make this political um, stance, right? We support them. We're representing them in all kinds of ways. And every time, every time a brother is gunned down, uh, or lynched in the streets by the police. It's sisters in the streets protesting. It's sisters on social media sharing information. But when sisters are attacked like they were by that ad from Dove, I don't see men in mass supporting us in the same kinds of ways. I can't tell you what that's about. I can only tell you how it makes me feel. I can't even tell you how it makes all black women feel. I can only speak for me. And at this particular point in my life, I'm starting to wonder who really loves us. Ain't that a shame that at 43, I'm beginning to understand more and more what Zora Neale Hurston meant when she wrote that black women were the mules of the world. Who cares for us? If sisters weren't are up in arms about, ad, uh, about the Dove ad, who would be? Now, I'm not saying all brothers are like that. We've got plenty of brothers who stand up for us, but it's not the masses. I got brothers on my timeline right now talking about what's the big deal. When Shea Moisture did what it did, you had brothers trying to tell us not to protest. What's the dude from Hidden Colors? Yeah, that foolishness. He was telling us not to protest, right? Who stands up for us? If we don't do it, who stands up for us? Now, I'm not going to get all in my feelings about that. Some days I do. I don't want to be in my feelings today. Instead, I want to celebrate the sisters who do stand up for us, who stand up for the collective, who stand up for the entire community. Even when it's unacknowledged, we put our bodies, our lives, our livelihoods on the line to support what we think is best for the, our people. We just celebrated 100 years of Fannie Lou Hamer, a black woman who put her body on the line for our communities. That's what we're built from. So sometimes I do, I get into my feelings a little bit about nobody loving us, but then I think about women like Fannie Lou Hamer and Ida B. Wells and Ella Baker. I think about these women who didn't need the notoriety. They didn't need the camera. They didn't need the spotlight. But they did what they did because they loved our people. Now, let me say something about this, though. And I can't remember where I read this, but I'm going to repeat it. Hopefully, I can find the article. If I find the article, I'll post it on the website. But 
there was this article talking about we have all these women who did all these things and they all died early. And what the article was suggesting is that sometimes black women, because we are the mules of the world, we carry too much weight. Weight that's supposed to be shared. I'm a single woman right now and, and I'm starting to um, really come to grips with the reality that maybe I'm going to be single. Like maybe that that I'm just not meant to have a partner. I hope that's not the truth. But I'm starting to you try to reconcile that in my head so that if it is true, you know, I, I can grow to be okay with it. I'm not okay with it right now, P.S. Um, but I think these burdens are meant to be shared. And I know too many sisters, myself included, who don't feel like we have anyone to share it with but each other. Right? I know my sister girls I can text about some bullshit that happens. I don't know that I have many brothers I can text in the same way. I have some. Right? I'm not saying all men. I have some. But at the time I'm saying I have some, I also have to be careful, especially on social media. Some of these men pretend to be one thing because it gets female attention. It gets it, it gets uh, woman's attention. I'm trying to get away from that word because I don't like when brothers use it. So I'm trying to get away from female. But um, I'm, I, I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm just saying that the burden needs to be shared. We need to be able to share that burden. Um, we have to create community and it can't just be the sisters all the time. If you think about church, if you think about the mosque, if you think about um, it's even traditional elays, it's women, right? It's mostly women taking care of and nurturing people in our communities. We're feeding people, we're clothing people, we're, we're, we're starting nonprofits, we're starting businesses, we're coaching folks, you know, we're nurturing everybody, but who takes the time to nurture us other than us? Like we have to start holding the community accountable. Like I'm not going to stop doing what I do. I'm not saying I'm going to stop fighting for brothers. I'm not saying I'm I'm not, I'm going to stop nurturing other people. That's what I'm built. I mean, I won't say that's what I'm built for. That's a little patriarchal, but I I do think that that's my Tiffany, not not woman, but Tiffany's responsibility is to nurture people around her. So I have to do that. But at the same time, I need to hold people accountable and say, listen, I need it today. I need for you to fight for me today. I'm tired. I don't want to address this. If you see some foolishness on my feed today, brother, can you handle it? If you see this happened um, this weekend, too. I, I corrected a man on my brother's timeline. He said one thing that I knew to be untrue. So I simply corrected it. I didn't even say anything to him personally. I just said what the truth was. And I turned in all, to, he started using the F word and all this and that. And I, because it was my brother's page, I was very respectful. I, you know, I just invited him to my inbox because, you know, I'm a little ratchet. Right. But I'm, I, I didn't even go there on my brother's page other than to point out to the brother. Hey, all I did was correct you and you do this to me. I'm a black woman. I don't deserve that from you. Mr. Red, Black, and Green picture in your damn um, profile picture. But you cussing at a black woman like this simply because I gave the truth in my comment. And only one brother stood up for me? That's a problem. How many people saw this dude disrespecting me in the timeline and didn't say shit? 
That's what I mean, y'all. We have to hold our brothers accountable and they have to start standing up for us. If it's a brother listening right now, do your work and protect your women. I'm off that. I'm off that. I'm tired of it always being on our backs to fix shit. They always come to a black woman when it's time to fix shit. Let me go back to the dub ad. Let me say this about some of the black people who are telling us we're being too sensitive. In a letter from the Birmingham jail, Martin Luther King wrote that the problem wasn't the white citizens council. The problem wasn't the Ku Klux Klan, but that he had grown to realize that the problem was the white moderate who only valued justice when it assured their own peace. See, that's what we're watching with the, these NFL things, the, the kneeling and white folks some burning season tickets and jerseys and shit. They done already paid for That's stupid anyway. You already gave your money. That's ignorant. But <laughs> it, it shows you how they think, right? Or the lack of thinking. But part of it is they don't mind you protesting. They just don't want their peace interrupted. So protest in your own neighborhood where they don't have to see it. Don't let it be televised. Don't get bloody on their streets. You know, they just want, the, for, for them peace, for them justice is their peace. Regardless of what it looks like to other people. Don't disrupt my day, right? That's what King had grown to realize about the white moderate. That they didn't mind black protests as long as they didn't have to see it. As long as they could determine the timetable and the appropriateness of when it happened. That's what we're still seeing with the NFL, right? So that lets us know that we haven't come that far. The white moderate is still who the white moderate was in the 60s. That's a problem because that shows us we haven't done our work in terms of educating changing lives. But let me say this. Let me add to King's argument. What I'm beginning to witness from some of these black Anglo-Saxons, as Nathan Hare would call them, what I'm starting to witness is that there are black people who also don't want their peace disrupted. And when we call for the boycott of the NFL, when we call for the boycott of Dove, what they hear is a disruption to their daily lives. And they don't want to deal with that, right? They don't mind you protesting as long as they don't have to feel guilty because they're not. As long as they don't have to see you talking about why you should protest, right? They don't want their peace disrupted. And in that way, just as King identified the white moderate as a problem for the civil rights movement, we have to begin to identify these black Anglo-Saxons as a disruption to our work. And we have to treat them accordingly. Shut it down and move on. Some of these people, you know, Mother Harriet had a lesson for us. Everybody ain't going to get there with us. Some people you have to leave behind. Some friends, when they show you who they are, that they value their peace over active justice, what King called active justice, then we have to, as the Bible says, shake the dust from your feet and keep it moving. Leave them back in the coonery where they are. And we will march forward towards equity. 
I'm not getting, you know, I get, I get, I get wound up. Like I'm wound up right now. I'm sure you can tell. I get wound up around some of these issues and some of these things, but I got to learn how to let that shit go. Cause at the end of the day, I got to keep moving forward. I ain't got time to argue with uncle ruckus. Like I might throw him a, a few choice words, try to elevate his thinking. And, but I got to keep it moving. I plan to see it. I got to keep it moving. I might not see it grow. It might not never grow. That might be barren soil, but I got to keep it moving. I got to plant my seed and keep it moving. I don't have time to argue with people who aren't trying to grow, who aren't trying to change and ain't trying to fight for our people. I don't have time for that. And I'm arguing that none of us do. None of us do. There's way too much work to be done. Uh, I was happy to see the long list of black cosmetic products that we should be using. I'm I'm happy to see that. Now I want to make sure I get it in the hands of people who can start investing in these things. And at the same time, I'm ordering these things. I'm noticing that their price is higher, largely because they don't have a large market yet. So they don't have, you know, they're not selling enough uh, to decrease overhead costs and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, bulk orders. Um, oh, that's a, sorry. Just ignore the phone. I, I, I'll call him back in a minute. That might calm me down. But um, we have to continue to work in our communities. We have to do what we're supposed to do. And and the Dove thing should just be a reminder of why we got to do what we do. Right? If we're being proactive, that's just a speed bump in the road. We recognize it and we keep it pushing. Let's let it be that. Recognize it. Keep it pushing. Keep it pushing. So, um, I'm off that. I'm off that. But I wanted to tell you the story about this woman. And then I'm going to end up with how, how we need to keep moving into the new year. Let me say this. When I was, um, you know, I think I've told y'all before I dropped out of school. So, I started at FAMU in 1991. I dropped out in around 97, 98. And I had less than 30 semester hours to complete to graduate. So 10 years later, I found myself as a, uh, as a non-traditional student at an HBCU in the South. And because I was non-traditional, um, you know, I didn't have time for the same kind of games that other undergraduates might have had. I was there to get a degree and keep it moving. And I remember my senior year at this HBCU. I'm trying to not get angry all over again. So my senior year at this HBCU, there was a course. I don't even remember the name of the course, but it was like a part one or part two. And it was originally designed so that part one of your, which would have been your fall semester, your senior year, you created a literature review around a capstone project, an undergraduate thesis um, in a, in a uh, psychology related uh, area. And so that was your fall semester to complete this lit review and do an annotated bibliography. Your spring semester, you were to complete the lit review, write the research paper, and defend it. Well, so the first semester, I had, you know, regular faculty. And indeed, we did do the lit review. I completed my lit review on um, post-traumatic slavery disorder. This was back in 2005. So I'm happy to say I've been on it since then, at least. So um, I completed my literature review. And then our faculty 
from the from the College of Psychology from the um, Department of Psychology left the university and we didn't have any full time faculty in psychology. And so they hired an adjunct to come in and teach the spring semester so that we could graduate on time. Right. So they bring in this white woman from Jersey. There was one other non-traditional sister in the class and she sat right next to me because we were the two serious students. You know, we trying to get out of here. The very first day this white woman comes in class, she announces, y'all ready? She says, I've looked over how this course is designed and I've decided it's too difficult for you people. And my, my brain hit the brakes. <laughs> she said, who now? Who's she talking to now? Who, what, who, you people. So I turn and look at the sister sitting next to me, the other non-traditional student. She looks at me and we give each other the sister girl look, right? Like maybe we didn't hear her right, but the woman continues on and she has revamped this course based on blah, 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 blah. Right? Well, because I was a serious student, I was already neck deep in writing this paper because I was interested in the subject matter. And so I raised my hand and I'm like, oh, with all due respect, some of us have already begun this project. And that means the literature review I did last year has last semester has no merit. It's just trash. That was busy work. No, I want the opportunity to finish this research project. She tells me again, no, this is too difficult for you people. All right. So I asked to see her after class. So after class, I pulled a sister girl, the white sister girl in the hallway. And I say, listen, you know, I know you're not from the South, but you people is considered derogatory language. And I'm going to need you not to say that to me again. All right. And she says, well, I don't mean anything by it. I'm from Jersey. That's how we talk. OK, listen, I'm telling you that in this context, that shit don't roll. Well, of course, I didn't say it like that. I was very respectful. That doesn't work. I, I, it's considered disrespectful. And I'm telling you that I'm personally offended. I need for you to find some other language. OK. And then I also voice my my concern again that, OK, you can you can simplify everything for the rest of the class because, you know, they were kids. They were happy. Um, you could simplify everything for the rest of the class, but I need to do this paper because I'm trying to prepare myself for graduate school. And she tells me again, I don't think you need to do all that. All right. Now I got a problem. So I went to the advisor that I was assigned. I won't call her name right now, but the sister got an African name. You've been in African cultural traditions, I know, since the, at least the 70s. Your, de your, your, your office got African masks and African fabric everywhere. So I feel like I'm going to an ally, right, y'all? I go to the advisor's office. I tell her, hey, here's the situation. I break it down A to Z. This is what just happened. You know what she tells me? Leave the woman alone. Maybe you just got off to a rough start. I'm sure she didn't mean it that way. Go back to class. All right. So I go to class the next time. Same thing happens. The woman starts talking about what's too hard for you people. Right now I'm doubly offended because I've told you it's offensive and you still don't want to correct it. And I don't even remember what the disagreement came to, but the woman says something. I disagreed with her. She walked over to my desk. She put a finger in my face and said, you people again. So I got up from class and went back to the advisor's office and again said, listen, 
I'm having problems with this particular faculty member. This is the last class I need for graduation. You tell me what I should do if this woman continues to disrespect me, use white supremacist language in my presence, and I've asked her not to do it, and now she's put her physically put her finger in my face? You know, I'm grown. I'm not one of these 17, 18, 19-year-old people. I'm in my 30s, y'all. So you know what this advisor says to me? Tiffany, you know you're smarter than this woman. Let it go. You're probably just being too sensitive. All right, so you know me, right? So I went to the dean, and between the dean and I, I worked out an agreement that I wasn't going to have to go to class anymore, that I would have basically complete my class under his watch. And I would, I would do the initial assignment of com completing this research paper. And it would be defended by a committee of the, 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 the adjunct professor that was in charge, but also two other professors of my choosing plus the dean. I was cool with that. But I never forgot how that advisor, with all her, Af her visual Africanity, told me to suck it up and deal with white supremacy without speaking up. So let me tell you tonight, y'all, like a few minutes ago, I have on my page, I'm not even telling people to, like I said, I'm not, I'm, I'm not telling you to boycott Dove. I'm on my page. I said, I have alternatives for soap already, but I need alternatives for deodorant and a sister don't want to be funky. So if you have some advice about all natural deodorants I could use other than Dove, preferably that are black owned, please share. That's what my comment said, right? Again, please note that I didn't ask anybody else to boycott Dove. I'm not asking you if I should boycott Dove. I'm simply asking for some suggestions on all natural deodorant, preferably that are black owned. Hey, if y'all know some, send me an email to Dr. Tip at tellemtiptoldyou.com. Let's create a list that I can post. But anywho, this woman, this same, this same woman from 2005 that was my academic advisor, she's on my Facebook friends list. Not for long, y'all. So she posts, Tiffany, you really need to, to be more careful about your, your, be more careful about the battles you choose. I wasn't offended by the ad. Dove works great for all races. Now, y'all know. You know me, right? But this is an older woman. So I, I tried to be on good behavior. I reposted to her. Hey. You might want to look at the comment I posted this morning that said, just because you personally aren't offended does not mean a thing is not offensive. Stop telling other black people how to feel. I posted that just this morning. Now you overlooked that post to come on my post asking for some damn deodorant recommendations to chastise me. No, ma'am, not today. So I tell her just what I said to you earlier. I study visual pedagogy. I study visual literacies and material culture. The ad is problematic at best. So maybe you need to pick your battles more carefully. Because Dove has done this before. This is not the first time. 
you know what she, and then I posted a picture of the label that says from normal to dark skin, right? So even if you're not personally offended by the ad, okay, here, look at this byline. You're not offended by this, right? And you know what she comes back to say? In a very condescending, nasty, to me, I read it as very condescending and nasty, was I stand by my comments, be blessed. First of all, bitch, don't bless me. I don't know who you blessing me with. No, thank you. I have a personal relationship with spirit. I don't need your blessing. Thank you very much. Not if you operate like that. I don't, I don't want that. You know, you got to be careful who prays for you, right? You need to be careful who prays for you and over you. You don't know who they talking to and you don't know what they really saying. I'm very, I'm very, I'm funny with that. So don't, I don't take blessings from everybody. Okay. And sometimes when I say bless your heart, you might need to be careful if I'm in a mood. But anyway, so she writes that to me. And all of a sudden, I'm back in 2005, and I see you for who you are. You've been trying to get me to placate to whiteness since you've known me. And you trivializing my culture because you're walking around with this African name, always in fucking African attire, and you placating whiteness. Let me tell you something, y'all. Every old person is not an elder. And today was proof of that. Today was proof of that. That's some bullshitty. I'm off that. Uh, let me calm down. Let me woosah. And give you the instructions I wanted to give. So, you know, we were talking about how to be fully in full ramp up mode for the new year. Like I'm, I'm taking this energy I have right now and I'm about to write. Like when I get off this recording, I'm going to post it. I'm going to write my ass off because the energy is there. So how are we going to get up the energy to coast into the new year? Already getting our resolutions, our vision boards, everything. We're going to be working on them prior to January 1 so that the habits are set by January 1. So here's your next assignment. Remember the first assignment was to start um, asking yourself, did you, did you work towards your five-year goals and to have gratitude and to make your to-do list align with your five-year goals? Remember, that was, that was, those were the assignments that I gave you last time. Here's your new assignment. If you journal, I want you to get, gather all your old journals, at least from 2017, uh, preferably, if you can go back further, get all of them in one place. And your assignment over the next few weeks is to read entries and take notes. What I want you to take notes about are the topics that keep showing up in your journals. Like for me, men continue to show up. So the men's names are changing, but the patterns aren't changing. And what I want you to do is to identify those behavioral patterns. Like I'm giving you free coaching right now. I want you, and if you're a scholar, if you're an academician like myself, you know how we code transcripts, interview transcripts and, and field notes and things like that. Code it the same way, you know, highlight this in blue, highlight this in yellow and start taking a note of the patterns. I want you to start to identify your patterns because see, once you identify your patterns, then we can start talking strategies, right? That will be specific to your journey. See, some coaches give you, you know, worksheets that they give all their clients. That shit don't work because we're not all the same. 
Once you can identify your own patterns, oh, now we're cooking with grease, okay? So your assignment is to get those journals together and start going through them. Now, if you are not a journaler, if you don't journal, that's your homework. I want you to go buy something nice, right? If you can afford it, buy something nice. Get a leather-bound journal. Sometimes TJ Maxx has them for cheap. Sometimes Ross has them for cheap. Go back in the back area, you know, where they have the home goods and that kind of stuff. You can usually find some nice journals there. Michaels tends to have good good sales on journals. They're back in the area where the canvases and pens and stuff are. And if you can't afford anything else, go get you a like 50 cent black and white composition notebook. But what I want you to do is to make it a sacred thing. Put it somewhere. I told you all how I developed the sacred space in my house. If you missed it, go back and listen to that second episode. So I have a sacred space in my house where I keep some of my journals. But in order to, that's where the you the old journals are. The journal I write in nightly is right by my bed. I make it easy for myself. So you want to get into a habit of putting it somewhere where you can be sure to journal every day. And just free write, right? I, I generally... Because I, I do a, do some archival work, like I'm an amateur historian, I'm not a historian. Well, I am a little bit of, I do have some historical methodology training, um, but I don't consider myself a, me, a historian. I do write about history. That's the whole, I'm just jumping. I'm sorry. Um, because I'm in the archives sometimes, I write with the forethought that I'm going to be famous one day. And one day my papers are going to be like at Emory and the, the manuscripts and rare book archives. And would a historian be able to piece together my life? So I'm very detailed in my journals because I want. So, for example, if my great grandchildren find it, I want them to be able to piece together who I was. Right. I want somebody to know who I am. And I'm also detailed like that so that years from now, when I'm trying to identify my patterns, they're clear. So if you are a journaler. You, I, I suggest you do that. You know, you write in such a way that when you revisit them later, you have details that'll help you figure out what your what your patterns are. Because believe me, some days you'll read stuff and you'll be like, what the hell was I thinking? Right? So you want to have the details there so you can get into the emotion of what you were feeling that day and you can learn from it. So I, I'm giving everybody that assignment for the next couple of weeks. If you need me, um, you can email me at Dr. Tip at Tell Him Tip Told You. If going through that process, you realize you want an accountability partner to help you march into 2018 more powerfully, um, you know, look on the website. There's a link to uh, register for a free initial consultation. That's a free 30 minute phone call with me. We'll go through. We'll talk about whatever patterns you've identified and we'll start mapping out some strategies. If you want um, a long term or a long term commitment, but you feel like you can't afford a life coach. I also, you know, we do sliding scale rates. So I'm here for you. I want us all to march into 2018 more powerfully. Um, I appreciate you listening today because I know I am. Oh, honey. Last week I was on one because of the mess. This week I'm on one because foolish people. But, you know, we deal with fools every day. We grow. I'm a fool some days, so we grow. Um, I think that's all I want to talk to you about today. I hope I didn't scare anybody off. I was kind of. I don't know. Whatever. You know, it is what it is. Some days are like that. It's just me. All right. I love y'all. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Tell them to told you. Bye.